You know, when I prepare a sermon, Mike and I each, we have ways that we, we get ready to do that. And my own is that on, usually on Sunday afternoons, I pull out the lectionary text, the text for the, the coming Sunday. And my first action is to read the scripture and listen to what it says to me personally. Personally. We'll take you through the other steps as we go on. But as we read the scripture lesson this morning, I'm going to invite you to hear this reading together and what leaps out to you um, as as the word of God washes over you and your life and where you're living. Um, Three themes leapt out at me. One with each of the readings that I'll tell you about in a moment. Um, Let's see what washes over you. Um, If you wish to, would you please stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. After she had said this, she went back and called her Mary sister aside. The teacher is here, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by the time there by this time there is a bad odor for he has been dead for 4 days then Jesus said did i not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god so they took away the stone then Jesus looked up and said father i thank you that you have heard me i knew that you always hear me but i said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me when he had said this jesus called in a loud voice lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face jesus said to those gathered take off the grave clothes and let him go therefore many of the jews who had come to visit mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god I want you to think for a moment inside yourself as you heard that scripture if there was a word or a theme that touched you personally as you heard that and if so just take your pen and on our little sermon sheet write down that word or that theme last monday morning i sat down and read this whoo i just come from two weeks that were bracketed by the death of my husband's uncle who was like a father to him since jim's dad died when he was 9 and then most recently the death of my brother few days before i read the scripture i did not read on sunday i went home sunday because we've been in the midst of packing and i just 
had a day, rest of the Sabbath day of grief. Picked up the text for today, not having any idea. It was the Lazarus text. And I have to say, Lord, what are you doing to me? Wow. The first reading as a preacher that I do is I let it speak to me personally. And so the theme that came to me in that first reading was grief. Did any of you have grief as one of your themes? I'm seeing a couple. It was grief. The second reading I do is I read thinking of you. And after I I dealt with my first theme, I, I thought of you as a congregation. I pray for you. And I ask God to say what you followers in this corner of the world might need to be blessed by from his word. Third reading, I try to focus on the eternal truth of God, a God whose word has been written for the ages. And I listen with my heart and my mind. And God's word always humbles me and astounds me the wisdom of God through the ages. After I do that, I I look at commentaries and see what theologians have to share. And then I begin to put together the sermon. This week, the themes came to me in G's. I call this sermon 3G. Youth, I'm not, I'm speaking to all of us, but I'm going to borrow the title of your group. The first theme is grief. You know, it felt very personal to me as I read this story. And for those of us who know grief or have known grief, we hear the personal responses by Mary and Martha, by the disciples, by those who gather, by Jesus. We all respond differently to grief. All of us. There's not a right way or a wrong way. We just respond differently. Some of us, it just takes our breath away and we just stop. Some persons are moved to tears and they cry and they cry. We don't know where the tears continue to come from. Some move to denial. This can have happened. Doesn't feel real. Some of us move to anger, to blame. Some of us are overwhelmed by despair. Some of us are numb. Some of us just move right to an intense rage. We find it hard to breathe, hard to concentrate, hard to make decisions. Some of us move into task, and we get task done as part of our initial grieving, some of us just stop. In the scripture reading this morning, if you go back, when you leave this place, read the scripture for the responses, the grief responses that are so evident 
in this text. They begin, as Mary and Martha and the others call Jesus and others together as Lazarus is very ill. We do that, don't we? Some of us go and some of us don't. Jesus does not come. This text is so packed, we could preach on this for all of Lent. But he does not come. When he does, he's greeted by a little blame, by some anger. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's pretty direct. But don't we say that? Or put that sometimes on ourselves? If I had only done this, if we had only done that, Lord, why did you not save this one that I love? When Jesus came and was hit from many different sides about his timing, which wasn't their timing, he found them in pain. And he greeted first by Martha and then later by Mary. And they were weeping. And the scripture tells us that Jesus wept. Grief was powerfully, powerfully evident. I believe the scripture honors the importance of our grieving. We're Christians. We believe in eternal life, and yet we grieve. Even Jesus wept. It honors our individual need to grieve and our need to grieve as a community. Jesus wept, and so do we. The second time I read this scripture, and I thought about you, I read it through that lens about the heart of this church. And as I read this, another the second G came forward, and that is grace. Grace. You know, Jesus could have been angry with Martha. He could have snapped at his disciples. He could have, he could have been short with Mary and with the others who said, could he not have opened the eyes of, who'd opened the eyes of the blind man, not have kept this man from dying? Surely Jesus loved him. But Jesus, and the scripture says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. What Jesus offered the people was grace, a compassion. He didn't scold, he didn't lash back, he did not justify. He was moved, the scripture tells us. He responded in love to the hurt around him. Perhaps it was his compassion of seeing the hurt of those whom he loved and cared about that moved him to tears. You know, I can remember times in my own life, and I'm sure you have, where we kind of run away. 
rather than weep because we don't want to get involved, because we want to stay in control. I've watched whole communities keep running and moving in order to keep from weeping. It's hard for us sometimes to hang in there when the scenery gets so sad. Frederick Beekner once said that it would help all of us if we would keep track of the times and events in our lives that bring tears to our eyes. This is what he writes. These may be happy or sad moments. It may be the occasion of a funeral or a wedding or a patriotic event when the flag goes by or taps are played. It may be in an unexpected time or place, but whenever you are stirred to such depths that you weep, These are times that God is at work in your lives. These are the emotional hot spots in our lives when something breaks through the veneer of hardness in which we tend to entomb ourselves. These occasions are like windows through which the light of God's love gets into us. How quickly most of us close those windows of weeping for fear that someone will see us when we are not in control. But when we slam those shutters back over the windows, perhaps we are cutting off God himself. Beekner goes on to say, check the times and places when you weep. And you will see those places where God perhaps was getting through to you. As Jesus wept, I believe God's grace of acceptance and comfort, compassion, Broke through. In our own lives, as we experience grief, we desperately need to experience grace. Jesus knew that and he modeled that. As a congregation, it's what we do in our walk in life with each other and in our walk in sadness with each other. My third reading, I listened for the word of God to break over the lives of the generations. And in this reading, my other G was glory. It was the glory of God that was so evident to me that I was kind of jumping up and down in my office. Mike, it's a good thing you're you're above me and not underneath me, or, or the timbers would have been shaking. The glory of God was so evident all through the reading. If you read this three times, look for the glory from the beginning of the scripture to the end of the scripture. We have a God who knows us. We have a God who weeps with us, who comforts us, who calls us forth from our brokenness, from our tombs. And he calls us into new life. He literally called forth new life on this earth for Lazarus. We believe in a resurrected Lord that will call us forth into new life in heaven. But there's also a new life here on this earth that God calls forth in us. If you listen carefully and you read carefully, you see this invitation of involvement 
in the participation of glory that Jesus extends to those around him and I believe to us. Did you catch that involvement piece? To participate in the glory of God, it's when Jesus brings Lazarus forth from the tomb. He calls him by name. Lazarus, come out. And then he instructs the people to unbind him. The Lord of the universe could just have those strips break away. But that's not what he does, not those pieces of cloth. What the Lord of the universe does, he instructs us to unbind Lazarus. It is we who choose to see and believe that can touch those around us who are still bound in tombs of our making. Grace breaks through our grief. But it is the glory of God that creates newness in our lives and in our community. It is the glory of God who gives us hope and brings new life to dead places. Just hear that. The glory of God brings new life into dead places. In a moment, we're going to come to the Lord's table. We will come individually. We will seek God's grace out of our own personal brokenness. And we will arise as a community to glorify the God who sets us free, who binds our broken places with hope and helps us heal and gives us new life. We will be set free to go and participate in God's glory in the places where we live and where we work. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.